Welcome in to Red Zone Radio. It is great to be here. Great to have you. Just a reminder, you can listen to Red Zone Radio on the iHeart Radio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcast. We've got a lot to get into today, including Jim Harbaugh's sudden suspension. Michigan still got the win over Penn State. We'll also discuss Jimbo Fisher being fired as the head coach of Texas A&M. And we'll also talk some NFL, some big games were on yesterday. So let's get right into it. Okay, let's start with the Jim Harbaugh story because when I think about this story, the first thing I thought about when I, when he was suspended on the way to the plane, I did not have an issue in particular with what the Big Ten did in terms of action. Now, I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't necessarily think he should have been suspended. But I don't have... My issue is not necessarily the suspension that they put in place. My problem is more so the way the Big Ten, and not to call him out, but Tony Petiti handled this situation. So first of all, they kind of... I don't want to say ignored it, but they kind of just tried to act like it wasn't there and hope that it would go away. They didn't really have discussions at length with the media about about what they were planning on doing. And you might say, well, it's none of the media's business. Well, it's not so much about it being the media's business, but what that does do is the media... Is always going to dig for a story. You're like you're not just going to get them to go away if they think if they think if they have a scent for something, uh, they're like bloodhounds. They're going to find it. So what they then do is they ask every Big Ten coach. Now you could say, well, they would have asked the coaches whether Tony Petiti and the Big Ten held a press conference or whether they didn't. That is true, but due to Tony Petiti and due to the Big Ten. Not going to the podium, not going and and actually addressing this issue head on. They were asked occasionally about it, and they give an answer that wasn't really to anyone's liking. But instead of them addressing this head on, instead of them going forward with the plan, instead of them saying, "Look, we're going to deal with it after the season," instead of them saying, "We're going over the evidence," instead of them saying, "We're planning on suspending him a week prior to the game," what they did was they just let they just kind of. You know, let the story, they try to toss it to the wayside. Instead of going to the wayside, it ended up in the hands of all the other coaches in the Big Ten. And you know that they're passionate about this topic. And they're going to say things that, that invoke media sound bites that are going to appear on shows and are going to appear in the news. And had you held the press conference, nine out of the ten coaches that that talked about it, instead of saying, instead of, voicing their opinion on it, they would have just said, look, Tony Petiti appears to be dealing with it, and we trust his leadership. And I think that would have been the way to go about it. But instead, they kind of ignored it. They kind of hoped that it would go away. And due to that fact, they now have a mess on their hands. Now, the other problem I had with the suspension was the fact that they waited until Jim Harbaugh was in the plane on the way to the game, I thought that was kind of nonsense. If they would have told him last Monday, okay, maybe I would have been more okay with it. And again, I want to make it clear. I did not think the suspension 
was fair. I thought it was too much. But, like I said, what I really took issue with was the way they went about the suspension. They didn't give mis- Maybe they did, but at least from the outside, and I, and I doubt they did, otherwise Jim Harbaugh wouldn't have been in the plane. But, from the outside, it looks like they waited till the last second. It looks like they waited until Veterans Day so that they could not go to a court of law. And Michigan's going to get their day in court. And I do think they're going to be granted uh, permission. Now, like I said, I don't think the, the suspension was fair. But just the way that they went about it, waiting until less than 24 hours to the game to suspend him. Which I thought, which I thought, was just ridiculous. Now, speaking of mission going forward, we don't know what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. Obviously, Sharon Moore stepped up, did a great job in the Penn State game, and we'll see if Jim Harbaugh gets to coach the rest of the regular season or not. Now, if they are without Jim Harbaugh for the rest of the season. Michigan, it's two games. I they will be fine versus Maryland. I I believe that. Now they do have to face Ohio State. So here, so here's what's interesting with that game, and and we'll break that game more down as we get closer. Obviously, it's going to be a great matchup. Michigan gets Ohio State at home. They're favored according to Vegas. They are loaded. They have a loaded roster. They have an experienced quarterback. So I can. They're probably going to win that game. Now. If they don't win that game, the one issue for Michigan is, and this is true for Ohio State at the, as well, I suppose, but I'm, I'm speaking about Michigan because of their head coach, is that they are not, the loser of Ohio State-Michigan this year is not getting into the playoff, in my opinion. You can certainly make a case that they could be, should be, but there are just there's too many teams in the running this late in the season unless two weeks of absolute chaos and losses happen. Remember, last year, the reason why Ohio State got in was because it was wide open. The loser of Ohio State, Michigan, I don't think is getting into the playoff this year. And they're two really good teams. So, if Michigan wins out, they'll be fine. If they lose, I don't think they are going to have the privilege to say, hey, we didn't have our head coach on the sideline. Because there's too many good teams. And vice versa with Ohio State. Obviously, Ohio State will have their head coach on the sideline. I'm just saying, I think the loser of that game does not get into the playoff. Michigan's loaded. They're going to find this week versus Maryland. I, 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 and I do think this team has rallied around this this fact. This Michigan versus everybody quote that they're putting on their shirts, headbands, whatever. Tweeting about it. Do whatever you got to do. I, I think they are they are loaded. And they're going to be tough for anyone to beat. We'll see what happens final two weeks of the season. But if and by the way, Ohio State survives this week, they should play Minnesota. Michigan survives this week, they should certainly should play in Maryland. That is going to be in another year in which Ohio State and Michigan meet undefeated. It's probably going to be a top three matchup. Cannot wait for that game. We'll discuss it more as we get closer to it. Let's go to Texas A&M. Firing Jimbo Fisher. Look, this has kind of felt like it's been a long time coming. Obviously, the buyout. Everyone keeps talking about the buyout. They're like, the buyout is just so much. And it is. It is a lot. 
and this is no disrespect to Jimbo Fisher. He's going to land a coaching job somewhere. He's going to be great. But Jimbo Fisher underperformed as the Texas A&M head coach. That is no disrespect to him. But when you look at the recruiting rankings, the talent that they have, the talent that they still have, there's no reason that this team the past couple years has been where they have been. The best win in Jimbo's career at Texas A&M undoubtedly was when they beat Alabama at home. Now, he pushed Alabama to limit every year. He got Alabama once. He lost to Ole Miss last week. It just felt like he just could not get over the hump. And we know that Texas A&M is a program that, although hasn't really been a true college football blue blood, they kind of view themselves as one. And when that happens, the expectations are high. There's a lot of places where expectations are high. But the difference is Texas A&M doesn't really have a lot of history of performing at that high level. So Bama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson in recent years, not this year but in recent years, when they have high expectations, you can kind of understand why because they've seen their team at the at the top. Texas A&M had a couple years with Johnny Manziel. Outside of that, they really haven't been a threat to the SEC. They really haven't been a, a threat to the national championship. They really haven't been a threat to the playoff. They view their program in a very, with a very, very high standard. No, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but there's nothing to prove that their program is that. And that's not. this isn't taking shots to Texas A&M. What I'm saying is, if you're looking at this from a coaching perspective, for the next co- head coach, right? It's going to be hard because those expectations are so high at Texas A&M. Now, I will say what, what I think kind of put the nail in the coffin for Jimbo was two things. What put so much pressure on him was, one, the money he was making. I mean, you see what the buyout is. It's so much money. When you make that kind of money, more pressure comes. The next coach may not make that much. The second thing is the fact that he had such a high recruiting class. Do you remember the preseason hype last year? Last summer, I just remember looking at everyone's preseason polls and seeing Texas A&M at like 1, 2, and 3 in everybody's poll. And I and I was not aware of the recruiting ranking at the time. I'm like, what is going on? So I looked it up, and sure enough, number one recruiting class. I'm like, oh, this team's going to be loaded. I mean, I fell for it too. And then it turns out that they underperformed. So he, so he underperformed with the money he was making and he underperformed with the talent that he had. And when you have the talent, and when you're making that much money anyway, there's going to be pressure on you to win whether you have talent or not. But then when you have the talent and you're not performing, then it's seen and viewed as a coaching issue. And I think it was. And he's out as the head coach. So for the next coach to come in there, it's going to be hard because there's high expectations. It's going to be hard because who knows what kind of roster he's going to have. Who knows who's going to transfer. With that being said, if he's not making the money Jimbo's making, and and if he doesn't have the number recruiting class, maybe the 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 
the expectations will be lowered a little bit, but the expectations are very high at College Station, and it's going to be hard for the next head coach to to be able to build the program in the right way. All right, let's get to the NFL because there was a really interesting game on here. So first of all, Kyler Murray made his return. If you listen to this podcast, you know I've been saying Kyler Murray is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Maybe I'm wrong, but I've I've been saying that for years and years. And uh, yesterday, he just looked like he came back from his ACL. He was running around. He made a great play in the game. I don't know how many people are watching the Falcons and Cardinals. I made sure to watch it because I was really fascinated to see how he would look on his return. He looks just like he did before. And I will say this. There's no reason for Arizona to draft a quarterback, even if it's Caleb Williams. Kyler Murray's ceiling is about as high as anybody's in the league. He is a next-level generational talent, much like Caleb. I think he actually moves around more and better than Caleb does. So I think if I'm Arizona, I'm building for the future, and I'm keeping Kyler Murray as my quarterback. Another game, the Browns defeated the Ravens. and what was it? They were down by 15 points at one point. Pick six, two pick sixes want to start the game. Late then the Browns had one to get them right back in the game. Then their kicker comes back after missing the extra point and takes down Baltimore. And the Browns are legit. We have got to start looking at the Browns like legit contenders. Deshaun Watson's kind of forming into a good quarterback. Finally, it felt like he. It's it's ever since since the end of last year through this year so far. It just felt like watching him. He looks kind of. It just doesn't look quite fluid or smooth for him out there. Part of that may be the injury. Part of that may be the rust. But it just has looked rough. And he finally looked better yesterday after throwing that early pick six. And if he gets better, this Cleveland team can beat anybody in the league. They are physical on the defensive side of the ball. They are physical on the offensive side of the ball. David Njoku gets those yards after catch. And they, when you look at their resume, and I know this isn't college football, but when you look at their resume, it's not like they've beaten a bunch of slums. They have wins over the 49ers, who many people consider one of the most physical best teams in the league. They now have a win against the Ravens on the road, who many people consider one of the best, most physical teams in the league. And they have a win over the Titans, who aren't great, but they're a physical team. And when you look at their losses, it's not like they've lost to a bad team. They have a loss to the Ravens earlier in the year. That was a blowout. They have a loss to the Steelers, who they get to try to... Re- they get to try to... Uh, Make up for that this week when they play the Steelers at home. And then, of course, they have a loss to the Seahawks on the road. And they also have a win against the Bengals. So they have a really strong resume. A re- they've beaten really good teams. And this team is going to be poised to make a run. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Especially if they win this week, they're going to be... They could potentially win this division. Now, it's going to be hard because you got so many good teams and they're going to have to win this week. But... They are they are poised to make a run in the uh, AFC North and in the AFC playoffs as well. Okay, one other game I would like to get to. Shifting back to college football, Georgia just dismantled Ole Miss. It felt like it was going to be close. Ole Miss marched down, scored that opening touchdown. It felt like it was going to be close, and Georgia just took over the game. Georgia is as good as anyone in the country. And like I said multiple weeks, I said I don't care what order you put them in. The three best teams are Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State. Ohio State finally started to look the. This week, what we got was 
so those three teams, there have been complaints about all of them. For Georgia and Michigan, the complaints have been the strength of schedule, but they've looked really good. For Ohio State, the complaint has been how they've looked, but they've played really good teams. So this week, they flipped it. Ohio State played a bad team, but they looked they finally looked really good, so we kind of got what we wanted from them. Then for Georgia and for Michigan, they played really good teams, and we got what we wanted from them. And so those two teams are as good as anybody in college football, could beat anybody in college football, and we will see what happens moving forward. But Georgia is going to be a problem. And they're set for collision courts with Alabama in the SEC Championship. I do want to discuss this briefly. One thing. What's interesting about the SEC is, believe it or not, I believe there is a path where the SEC does not get into the playoff. Let me explain what I mean by that. So let's assume for a second that Washington wins out and they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 Championship. That would make Oregon out of the college football playoff, right? Because that would be two losses. Let's assume Florida State wins out. They'll be an ACC champion. Now, I understand there's still two weeks. A lot can happen. I'm just throwing this out there. Let's assume Florida State wins out. They would occupy a second spot. The winner of Ohio State-Michigan, who would go on to win the Big Ten, would occupy the third spot, meaning there is one open spot. Now, let's say Texas wins out, and they go and they win their one-loss Big 12 champ. Now, I understand you're like, well, this is a lot that can happen. There certainly is a lot that can happen, but I do want to say... I'm not throwing out any crazy upsets. All of this is can certainly happen. I, I'm throwing out the favorite teams. Now, favorites don't mean anything. But this is not. these are not upsets I'm predicting. These are favorites winning two games in a row, which is not impossible for all these teams. Meaning, who's left? So you have Georgia and Alabama. Now, if Georgia wins the SEC, I think they would get over Texas, but... If Alabama beats Georgia, and as good as Georgia looks, nobody wants to play Alabama right now. Texas is in the playoff. I don't think the SEC champion goes. There's no way, because here's the the dilemma the committee would face. Three of the spots are occupied by undefeated Power 5 conference champs. You cannot, you cannot not let them in. So then, and Oregon would be out of the playoff in that scenario. So that means it really comes down to three teams at that point. Georgia, Alabama, and Texas. Now, if Georgia wins there and Texas and Alabama are out, but if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC champion and is the SEC champion, there's no way Alabama gets in over Texas. That is wrong, especially because Texas beat them in their own home stadium. That is wrong. Texas would get in, and he couldn't put Georgia in because Alabama beat them, and they're both one-loss teams, meaning the SEC would miss the playoff. I think it's a. I, I honestly think that's a possibility. Now, this week there'll be some chaos that probably happens. Next week there'll be some chaos during rivalry weekend, and we probably won't have to discuss this. But that is certainly a possibility that could happen. The only other team that would be in there would be a one would be the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, and they wouldn't be in there because they would not be a conference champion. So that is going to be fascinating to see. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, and I'll see you next time on Red Zone Radio.